Good morning, church. We are so glad that you joined us this morning. Happy 4th of July. Happy Hamilton weekend for all you Hamilton fans out there. Um, But we are just so glad that you uh, joined us here this weekend. We are just hopeful that this weekend was relaxing for you, um, that you were able to get some time with your family, time to relax on this 4th of July weekend. We are in our final week of our You Asked For It series. Over the last few weeks, we've been answering questions that were submitted online by church members. And this week, uh, we will be tackling the question of what is the best way to determine if something is God's will or my own will? And before we do that, let's go ahead and pray before we get into the message. Dear God, we just thank you so much for this time that we can come together. No matter where the people are that are watching this, Lord, we just pray that you are with them. And as we try to tackle this question or this idea of what it means to be in your will or what it means to choose to do things your way, Lord, we just pray that we can better understand what your will is for our lives, that we can better understand who you are in the heart of the creator of the universe so that it will help us to better make decisions for our lives so that we can better be in your will and, and be doing what you want us to be doing, Lord. We just thank you for this time that we can come together, Lord, and I just pray that your words be spoken this morning, that your words come through to wherever the people are watching this message, and that it can touch their hearts, and that we can all be focused on living in your will. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So like I said, today's question is, what is the best way to determine if something is God's will or my will? And this may seem like a strange way to start this message, but if you follow us on Facebook, um, you know or may know that I love national parks. I love to travel around the country to road trip to national parks. And one of the reasons I love national parks is because I love to go and see the amazing wonders that this country has to offer and see the things that, um, the natural amazing things that this country has. And one of the other reasons that I really love to go out and see the national parks is because every time I see a national park, I leave just amazed at the creation of what God has made in this world and in this country. Whether it's, you know, Yellowstone Park with the bubbling hot springs and the bison, or Acadia with the amazing shorelines, or Glacier National Park with the amazing lakes and mountains, I never leave feeling like I haven't just been touched by seeing the the creations that God has made. But if you had to, if I had, if you made me pick my favorite, my favorite would be Grand Canyon National Park. There have been few things in my life that have moved me more than standing at the rim of the Grand Canyon, looking out over the vastness of the canyon, just the amazing vastness of the canyon and thinking how small I am. In a world where we kind of tend to think of ourselves as the center of the universe, when you stand at the edge of the Grand Canyon and you look out and you see just it stretch out for mile after mile after mile, this massive chasm in the the earth, you just think, man, how small I am and how vast is God's creation. And as we begin to talk about God's will and God's will for our lives, we have to kind of start in that place. We have to start and think about God's will from a kind of a 30,000 foot view. 
from uh, the high up view, the big view, and then we'll work our way down to our lives and what it means for our lives. But we're going to start in Isaiah. So if you turn uh, to Isaiah chapter 55, uh, if you've got your phones, your Bibles, you want to turn to Isaiah 55, we're going to read verses 8 and 9. So Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9 say this, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than yours, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. The scripture makes it clear that in my human body and in my human mind, I cannot understand how God operates. His way of thinking is higher than mine. God's thoughts are infinite and boundless. He created the universe. He sees it from end to end. And our thoughts are finite and limited. When I look at this and I try to understand what God's will is and how he thinks, I first need to realize that he's working on a completely different level. If my understanding is big of what big is, is standing on the Grand Canyon and looking out over it, that pales into comparison to what God sees as big. He sees things on a whole different level than what I see things. Big to God is the universe and everything beyond it. The vastness of space is what God thinks of as big. So when I think about his will and I think about what he wants for my life, what I think is big to him is very small. So what does that mean for us? For me, it's freeing. Because when I realize that God is bigger than I can ever imagine, then it puts my life into perspective. It also means that I'm never going to understand all that God is doing because his ways are so much higher than mine. His thinking and his thought process, the way he makes decisions is just beyond what I can grasp and that's okay. And once I come to you know, understand that, then I don't have to bother myself with some of these big questions or what I call heavenly questions. The heavenly questions are questions that, you know, I think about and I think, you know what, I'm not going to have an answer to that while I'm here on earth. That's one of those questions that when I get to heaven, I'm going to see the answer and it's going to be amazing. But I don't need to worry about that while I'm here on earth because God has a purpose for my life and my focus here on earth is to try to understand the heart of the creator of the universe so that I can better understand what his purpose or his plan is for my life. So that has to be our foundation. When we start talking about God's will, the foundation of the conversation has to be that there are just going to be some things that I don't understand, not because God is some mysterious God that doesn't reveal himself to us in so many ways or is so distant from us, but because he just sees so much. He sees things at such a big level that when he makes decisions, he has so many more things to consider and look at. The second thing that I think is important to understand is that understanding who I am helps me to see where God wants me to go. I need to understand who I am and who God created me to be so that I can see where God wants me to go. I need to grasp the big picture purpose of what God has for his people. Without an understanding of the the eternal plan 
that God has for his people, it makes it difficult for us to think about and make earthly decisions. I need to understand who God is and his eternal plan and purpose for my life so then I can make decisions based on that. So this week in Growth Group, a scripture came up that I actually thought fit into this pretty well. Um, And so I wanted to read it for you today. It's in Romans. So if you want to flip over to Romans, Romans 12, we're going to read one through five, but we're going to skip a little bit um, just to try to make it a little clearer to the point of just trying to understand who God is in perspective to who we are. So Romans 12, one through five says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Skip down to the end of verse two. It says, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I'm speaking to you out of a deep gratitude for all that God has given me. And especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then as everyone else, every one of you does in pure grace. It's important that you not uh, misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it to all of you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. We need to understand that as followers of Christ, we've made Jesus Lord of our lives. The last sentence of the verse says, the only way to understand ourselves is to understand who God is and what he does for us, not by what we do for him. This may be a little uncomfortable for some people. Putting this in perspective can make us uncomfortable because it makes us have to take stock of our lives. It makes us have to take stock of our relationship with Christ. We want God to give us direction. We want God to tell us where to go. We want him to tell us where to be there. But we're missing all the opportunities that he's placed right in front of us because we're always trying to understand the next thing. Maybe the reason God isn't giving you clear direction on which job to take is because you're giving him second best. We have lost sight of the fact We're not doing God favors by how we act or the decisions we make, but all goodness comes from God. The reason you have any decisions or the reasons we have job that we have, or we have the house we live in, or we have the spouse that we've married is because of God's goodness, because he's given us these things, but we've flipped it and we want to be in control. And we want to say, these things are these great things that I've done for God. Look at how much I've given back to God. No, it's not, it's not about that. It's about what God has given me. For God to truly use me, I need to understand my position in his, in his plan. I need to understand that I'm not in charge. The big truth that we miss is that in God's plan, we are ambassadors for him. My growth group also just finished reading the book of Acts. And when we think about God, God's will and his plan for his people, it's really made clear in Acts. It's kind of, it's just where it's, it all started. And you can see God forming his will and, and what is happening with the church and, in, um, you know, moving out and, and spreading the gospel. And in Acts 1.8, it's made really clear. 
It says, but you received power when the Holy Spirit came on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God's will is that the good news of Jesus Christ is spread throughout the earth. That's his will. That's the core. That's the target. So when we talk about what's God's will for my life, if that's not at the center of what, you know, what our focus is, then God isn't our Lord. Because if God's our Lord and we want his will to be our will, then our will is that we need to spread God, the, the good news of Jesus Christ to all the world. And we are God's ambassadors. In our jobs, we're God's ambassadors. In our neighborhoods, we're God's ambassadors. Wherever we go, we are God's ambassadors. It's awesome to think that, it, that this is where it all started. When Jesus died on the cross and then, lead, and then we lead into the book of Acts, this is where it all started. And hundreds, if not thousands of people have answered the call of God's will on their lives, that their job is that they are ambassadors for Christ. And so the hundreds and thousands of people that have answered that call and they've shared their faith with someone and they've shared the good news with Jesus Christ and that has, then that person has shared the good news of Jesus Christ to the next person and then shared it with the next person and the next person and the next person that now we're a link in that chain. Hundreds of thousands of people have recognized that they are ambassadors for Jesus Christ and that's what's led to me now becoming an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And now I'm a link in the chain. You and I are now part of that chain. The hundreds of thousands of people that have determined that God's will for their life is to be an ambassador for Christ so that we can help make more ambassadors for Jesus Christ because of the amazing goodness that God has given us. So now that we understand a little bit about how God views his plan for us, let's take another look at the question. Because the question doesn't say, what's God's will for me? It says, what's the best way that I can know if something is God's will or my own? And understanding God's will or attempting to understand the heart of the creator helps me to do that. Because if I understand God's will more, it helps me to see more clearly if it's his will or my will. But what's the best way to understand if it's my will or if, if, if it's God's will? Well, the first thing we can do is get out of the trivial and get into the truth. Oftentimes we're bogged down with the minutia of life. We get just bogged down with fret and worry on decisions that in the grand scheme of things have little to no bearing on eternity. We, you know, fret over stuff that just doesn't matter in the big picture of God. Remember, God's will is that we all are with him in eternity. If it were up to God, everyone on earth would accept Christ as their savior and be with him in eternity. That's his will. That's what he wants. So not, you know, not that God doesn't care about the decisions we make, but when that's our focus, when we look at that and we see you know what, God's will is that everyone is with him in eternity. When I say, you know what, God, I don't know what color car to buy. It just doesn't seem that big in the grand scheme of things. God's view is that he wants everybody to be with him in eternity. So what are some practical ways? Let's, you know, we'll get practical. What are some practical ways that we can better understand God's will? 
Well, read and understand his word is a great way to understand God's will. He's given us the Bible, and the Bible is amazing in, in just how much you can read and better understand God's heart and God's heart for his people. The Bible is a guidebook full of principles that God teaches his people so that they can better understand him. The Bible gives us a broader context and helps us to see how others have trusted him over time. And what you need to do is really read your Bible. Get into your Bible. Get into the Bible stories, stories that you may have heard, you know, over and over again, but you really haven't dug in to find the principles behind those stories. And, and you know, get into the Bible. Read about Noah. Read about Joseph. Read about Abraham. Read about Ruth. Read about Jonah. And just people in the Bible countless times that have trusted God, trusted in what God is doing and how God has come through in amazing ways. When we, when we read and understand his word, it gives us a better glimpse of his principles and his heart and how we can better trust God to lead us through what we're doing. Now you can read these stories and when you read them, you know, like Jonah, you're probably not going to get called and taken to Nineveh and, you know, but what's God saying through that story? He's talking about obedience and he's talking about, you know, he had a better plan for Jonah's life in a different city. So he took him to a different place and maybe God's calling you to a different place. Or we take a look at the story of Noah. You're probably never going to build an ark, but maybe God wants you to be more obedient in what he's doing and follow what he's telling you to do. We learn God's principles. We see who God is when we read his scripture. The second thing is, is that we can seek godly advice. If you really want to try to understand if something is God's will or if it's your will, seek good godly advice. Talk to people that know you. Talk to people that know your heart. That's why it's so important that we have people in our lives that we can be open and honest with. Because if we don't have people that can listen to what we're saying, hear what we're saying, and determine, you know, Seth, this sounds like you're, you're just doing what you want to do. This sounds like a Seth thing. This sounds like something you want to be a part of and you want to do. This doesn't sound like God. This doesn't sound like God's vision and plan for your life. Seek godly advice. Find people that will share, be open and honest with you about the things that you're, the decisions you're trying to make. And they'll make those decisions based not on their opinion or their thoughts or their feelings, but based on the scripture and what God says and where he wants us to be. Some other great ways that you can learn if something is God's will and draw closer to what he's, he's doing is be in community with God's people. You know, growth groups are a great place for this to happen. Growth groups are a great place to seek godly advice and find people that can help you to, to make those decisions in life. Come to church Worship God, serve and put action to your faith. These are all great ways to find out more about what God's will is for your life and what the big picture will is for, God, for God's people. And it helps you find your place in that as well. But what gets in the way? Oftentimes we spend too much time questioning why we are where we are instead of believing that God has me here for a reason. Church, too many times we question God and say, I don't even know why I'm here. I can't stand the people at my job. God, why do you have me here? I can't deal with the people in my neighborhood. God, why do you have me here? 
And we question why he, he has us where he has us, why he's put us where he's put us, why he's put us through the things he's put us through. And the truth is we need to stop asking why and start saying, here I am. Here I am, Lord. I know I'm in this place where I don't fit in. I know that I'm in this community where I don't fit in. But here I am, Lord. Use me. I know that I'm in this job where I don't fit in, Lord, but use me to help the people of this place find eternity through Jesus Christ. God's will for our lives is that he wants us to be ambassadors for him. He wants us to be ambassadors no matter where we go, no matter what we do, no matter how bad it gets. Again, we see it countless times throughout the New Testament, right? People put in jail, and become ambassadors to the people that have them in jail. People beaten and tortured, but become ambassadors to the people that are doing that to them. God wants us to be ambassadors no matter what is happening in our lives, no matter where we're going, no matter what we're doing. And that brings me to the last thought, and I'll leave you with this encouragement. God's will for us is not perfection, but direction. God's will for us is not perfection, but direction. Isaiah 6, 8 says, Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and whom will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. God is looking for us not to be perfect, but he is looking for us to move forward. Don't get hung up on your mistakes. You want to find God's will for your life? Take the first step. Trust him that no matter where you go, no matter what you do, no matter what problems come your way, that he is going to be there with you and he is going to get you through it. Be invested in what the church is doing. Get involved. Get on board. Be engaged. Don't sit on the sidelines. You want to understand more about what God's will is in this community and what God, God's will is for this church? Because his, his will for this church and his will for this community is that everyone know who Christ is. And he wants impact to be an integral part of that. And he wants everybody to be a part of what's going on. He doesn't want anybody to miss out on being an ambassador for who, he, who they are and what God is doing and what impact is doing in this community. He wants us all to be a part of that. So if the question is, what job should I take? Or who should I marry? Or countless other questions, we need to start thinking through things with God's perspective. And that will help me to see if it's God's will or if it's my will. So if it's a job opportunity and I, and I look at the job opportunity and I say, okay, should I take this job or shouldn't I? Well, God would say, is that job going to take you away from the church? Is that God going to take you away from a, a church community that's helping you to grow in your faith and be stronger in your faith? Is this job going to be so busy that you're not going to have time for God anymore? You're not going to have time to read your Bible or pray or be with him. Or if you take this job, are you not going to be able to see your family and help them to grow and develop in their relationship with, with God? Or if the question is, who should I marry? 
Is the person that you're considering marrying or the person you're considering dating, are they helping your faith? Are they helping to grow your faith stronger? Are they helping to make you a stronger Christian and a better ambassador for Christ? Are they helping you to move towards the vision and purpose that God has for your life? Because if they're not, then it's not God's will for you to marry or date that person. God's will for us is that we spread the message of Jesus Christ as far and as wide as we can when we're here on earth. That's his will. All the things that happen from point A to point B and to the end of our lives and the decisions we make, that's the the lens we need to make those decisions based off of. Is this decision going to put me in a position where I can help move God's kingdom forward in the circle of people that I am going to be dealing with? And if the answer is no, then God, that's not God's will for your life. And sometimes we get into these great positions where, you know, we could take two or three different choices. We've got like three job offers. And all of them are ones where we could grow and, and be invested in the church and we could be invested in what God's doing and we could be growing in our faith and our family's gonna be stronger in our faith. I'm gonna be able to better, um, you know, reach out to the people in my, uh, where I'm working in all three places. Then what God would say is make the best decision based on what you want. God wants us to be happy. He wants us to, to, to live our lives and enjoy what we're doing. So he would say, what's the best decision for you? What's going to make you happy? As long as all of those things, your focus is that my number one priority is God. My number one priority is helping the people that I meet in that place find out who Jesus Christ is. When we stop questioning where we are, and we see the purpose God has for our lives, the idea of God's will becomes clearer. And when we can see God's will clearer, then it makes it easier to know if I'm living in his will or my own will. So what I would challenge you, church, on, and and, when we're answering this question of God's will versus our will, is we've got to do the work. We've got to put in the time to better understand God's will and make God's will clearer to us so that when decisions come our way and we've got to make choices and we've got to better understand what's, which way do I go, what do I do, that if his will is clear, then I can put that decision in that context and I can know for certain that it's God's will and it's not my own. If you want to learn more uh, about kind of God's will, you want to go a little deeper, study a little more, uh, you know, learn a little more about this. There were two um, studies that my group has done over the last two years that have been really good and helpful in kind of getting that godly perspective on what God's will is and how do I make decisions based off that. Both of them are in Right Now Media. And so, you know, as we've said before, you get a free Right Now Media account. through the church, and we'll post that on Facebook again after services. But the two um, messages 
that you can take a look at is one called Powerful by Louis Giglio, and the other one is Discovering God's Will by Andy Stanley. They are a great message series. Um, you can dig deeper. You can get into a group. Maybe some groups will start looking at that, um, and you can dig a little deeper and just better understanding how we can know when we are in God's will and that we are moving his kingdom forward and doing his purpose. But go, let's go ahead and pray um, as we close out. Dear God, we just thank you so much. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for your plan, Lord. Just the amazingness that you are and just what you are and who you are and the fact that you sent Jesus to die for our sins so that we could be with you in eternity, Lord. And that now our mission is to, to move that message forward, to tell the next generation who tells the next generation who tells the next generation about the awesomeness of Christ, the amazingness of what you've done for us, Lord. We just pray as uh, everyone in the church is making decisions in their lives, Lord, that they're, they're looking at it and thinking about how is this best going to move God's kingdom forward? that we can know that we are in your will, that we are moving in your footsteps, that we know that the decisions we make are ones that would be glorifying to you. So that when we get to heaven one day, Lord, you'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. That our lives not be about our jobs, that our lives not be about all the small things that can throw us off track, Lord, but that our lives be of your will and who you are. We just thank you for everything that you're doing in the church and in our lives. And we just pray that we can continue to live out your will for this community um, and impact church. And we, we can help people get to know you. We thank you for everything that you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And now we come to our time of communion. And when we talk about communion and we talk about kind of this big picture God, right? God that sees the universe from one end to the other. It can be, it can feel like it's not about me. It can feel like it's not very personal, like this, this big God that kind of just makes decisions based off whatever he wants and does. And, and you just feel like, wait a minute, what, this doesn't, this doesn't feel like it's about me at all. Like how, how do I fit into this? How do, am I a part of this? But really when we come to this time of communion, we come to this place where we remember the sacrifice that Christ made, it's all about us. It's about the fact that the God of the universe sent his son to die on a cross so that you and I could live in eternity with him. Not so that I could feel proud, not so that I could be the center of the universe, not so that I could whatever, you know, feel bigger or better than I, than I am, but just how amazing that is and how grateful I should be when I remember the sacrifice that Christ made. When I remember the fact that Jesus came to earth and died in my place so that I could be with God, the God of the universe, the God that created everything. He knows me by name and loves me so much and loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. And that's what we remember at this time. That's what we remember when we come to communion each week is we remember that God knows who we are. 
And in the vastness of space, in the amazing giant universe that we live in, God looks down on earth, this tiny little planet, and he looks down to Pennsylvania and he looks down to Pittsburgh and he says, there's my son. There's Seth, there's my son. He looks down on you and he says, there's my daughter, there's my son. And I love them so much that I sent my son to die for their sins. As we take communion today and you take communion at home, I hope you participate with us, get some juice, a cracker, um, take communion with us. Um, But this is really just a time to remember that the God of the universe loves you and that we have a savior that came to earth and died for our sins so that we could be set free and live with him in eternity. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the sacrifice that was made. Thank you so much that you notice us, that you see us, that you are there with us every day and that we don't always remember it, Lord, but that we come to this time each week where we remember the sacrifice that was made for us. We remember the fact that you know us by name and that you love us so much that Jesus died on a cross so that we could be with you forever. Lord, I pray that as we do and live out what we learned about in the message today, Lord, I pray that we can be ambassadors for you. I pray that we can tell more people about who Jesus is as we remember this time when he gave his life for us. But so that everybody knows that Jesus gave his life for them as well. That they can then be in a saving relationship with Jesus. Lord, you are amazing. You are amazing and your plan is amazing. And while I may not always understand it, Lord, I just thank you so much in this moment at this time for giving your son to die for me so that I could be with you forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.